Hey everybody, this is Eric Krasno and you're listening to the Plus One Podcast. Once again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and everyone that's been supporting the show. Last week was really fun having John Mayer on the show and seeing everybody's response to that episode was great. I also sent out a message on Instagram letting people know that I'm going to start answering questions on the show and I got a lot of responses. So I'm going to answer a couple of those today. The first question is from Dave from New York. And he's asking about rehearsals. Uh, He's been to two shows in specific. One was the Jerry Garcia band tribute that Lettuce did at Lock-In, which featured John Mayer, Bob Weir, and O'Teal. And he also asked about the O'Teal, Burbridge, and Friends show New Year's Eve that we did last year. So a lot of the shows that we do on the road, all the band members are kind of all over the map. And we don't have a lot of time to rehearse. A lot of times sound check is rehearsal and a lot of it is prepping before. So you'll have emails going back and forth and we'll get on the phone and work out parts. If there's multiple guitar players and and if there's background singers, work out, you take this part, I take that part. Uh, But generally, we'll usually have a couple hours that day to run through the set and, you know, try each song once or twice. In a perfect world, we'd get to rehearse before that, but, you know, everyone's coming from all over. For a festival like Lock-In, I'm coming from California. Some people are coming from Denver. Some are coming from New York. So we don't necessarily get the amount of rehearsal time that we'd like, but the musicianship level is really high in a band like Lettuce and O'Teal and Friends. And everyone in those bands has done enough of these types of shows that we're able to communicate well on stage and pull off a set with a lot of new music. The next question is from Joshua Tolley. He says he's really enjoying the podcast and that he just finished the Chris Robinson episode and was hoping to delve more into the decision-making for touring during the pandemic situation. He says he's curious who actually makes the ultimate call for touring this year. Is it on the band, the venue, the promoter, the city, state, or a little bit of it all? I don't know that I have the exact answer on that, but I can give you at least my input, which is that you have to think of it from a few perspectives right now. Obviously, a lot of venues can't open legally, so that's number one. Uh, Number two is the promoters and the musicians don't necessarily want to put on shows when people don't want to go out. Um, I think it's risky right now to expect a lot of people to come to a show. A lot of people don't want to go outside. They don't want to be in crowds. So I think it's a little bit of it all, and I think it'll be a while before any of us feel comfortable in a room full of people. You know, I would go to a show right now, but I wouldn't necessarily expect a thousand people to want to come out to a show and be packed in a room with each other. Now, I hope that changes sooner than later, but that's my perspective on that for now. The next question is from B of H on Instagram. And he asks, what guitar lick did you want to master when you were young but couldn't pull off? And there's a few that I can think of. One is Slipknot from The Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia's riff on that. The other one is Scuttlebutton from Stevie Ray Vaughan. And uh, John Mayer and I spoke a little bit about Stevie Ray Vaughan on the last episode of the podcast. And the way that he pulls off this riff immaculately every single time is one of the reasons why I think Stevie Ray Vaughan to this day is one of the greatest of all time. So I'm going to play you a little snippet of Stevie Ray Vaughan playing this scuttlebutt. (laughs) 
Yeah, I remember trying to play that till my fingers were pretty much bleeding. And uh, he can do that a hundred times and not even flinch. So, again, one of the greatest, Stevie Ray Vaughan. So, one question that keeps popping up in emails and the DMs is about a project that took place a few years ago where Soul Live went in the studio with Derek Vincent Smith of Pretty Lights. People are asking what happened to the project, what happened to the recordings. There was snippets of video that came out. So I'm not going to answer that question right now, but what I am going to say is that Derek is going to come on the show. We've been talking, and he's got some music in the works, and I've visited him down at his studio, and it's pretty amazing what he's been working on. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Soul Live Project. We're going to talk about the Pretty Lights Live Band and all the stuff he's been working on soon. We also have a lot of other incredible guests uh, on the podcast in the coming weeks. The one bright side to this quarantine is that I've been able to take this time to talk to all these musicians that are also sitting at their studios or sitting at home. So we have some great content coming. I've also been listening to a lot of other podcasts and getting inspired from other people. Also, a lot of new music is coming out. Krung Bin has been dropping new songs. Nick Hakim is one of my favorite artists. He's got a new album. Questlove has been DJing pretty much every day during quarantine. All sorts of different themed sets. And he actually talked with me for a few hours uh, a week or so ago. So he'll be on the show talking about what he's been doing during quarantine, the history of The Roots, how they connected with Jimmy Fallon, the story of him and D'Angelo and the Soul Quarians. A lot of really, really great stuff in that interview, so watch out for that. Also want to give a shout out to Osiris Media, who helps me put this podcast together, and they're putting out really great content and always bringing music fans closer to the music that they love. My guest today is a guy named Mac Ayers, and some of you may not know him, but this guy's been making a lot of waves in the past couple years. Completely self-made, has always put out his own music independently. Super young guy, plays guitar, plays keys, and he sings his ass off. This dude has an amazing falsetto, great songwriter, and a really cool guy. He came over, and we recorded this before quarantine, and we instantly got along, man. As soon as he walked in here, we started making music together and made a bunch of tracks and actually wrote a song that day. He just has this energy that excites everybody in the room. And uh, he kind of reminded me of what it was like making music when I was 22, 23 with the homies, traveling around with all my best friends and doing literally exactly what we love to do. So being around him that day was really fun and ended up inspiring me um, and getting me excited about making music again. And while he was here in the studio, he actually played a song off of his most recent album, and I joined him on this. So you'll hear that at the end of the interview, and I look forward to doing that with more and more musicians, especially as the quarantine eases up, and I can have people here in my studio for their interview and include a performance as well. So let's get into it. He's 23 years old. He's already put out two critically acclaimed albums. His whole last tour was completely sold out. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome today's Plus One, Mac Ayers. See, my dog needs to hear a beat or like some music happening. Yeah, she's a studio dog, not you really, see, not a pod dog. She's not a podcast dog. That's mm. funny because we've been working in the studio and she's just chill. She's just chilling. And then as soon as we start to try to talk on the mic, they're like, what are you doing? She's like, what are you doing? Get back to the music. 
which we will shortly, but um, soon enough. Anyway, I got Mac Airs in the building, and uh, I've been really excited about this. I've been listening to his music. I've been checking you out, and uh, I saw your whole tour was sold out. Yes, sir. That's insane. 26 shows crazy North America. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, what was it like building this fan base? Like, how did they find you? Honestly, I, I sometimes still ask that question because, okay. really, it just kind of felt like uh, I started putting music out in 2017. Yeah. And... Couple people fucked with it, and then more people started fucking with it. And yeah, it was just yeah. it just felt super organic for me. I I really, I I truly don't have an answer. Well, you're one of the like uh, the stories, you know, that people talk about because so many people say it's so much harder to to make it now and try to like you know build a following. And I think yes, for some people, it really depends on what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, again, it's, there's no science. You can't pinpoint what it is, but if you are prolific, prolific, making mm-hmm. great music and making it often, right? I feel like it, it does happen. Yeah. No, I think right? that's ultimately like, I, I truly believe if you like worry about the important shit, then the other stuff just falls into place. Right. Like for me, it was just about like shedding and just getting better. And it was and, never really about putting stuff out. And you're what, 23, right? Yeah. Just and when did you start producing your own music and making your own music? Um, I made my friend, shout out to Zach Barrow, my sax player. Um, uh, when we went to college together, he was working on Logic, and I demanded to know how it worked. I was probably right. 18 right. when that happened. And at that point, you'd been playing some guitar. Yeah. I was playing guitar, um, you know, trying to be John Mayer. Yeah, and like yeah. uh, around 16, I picked that up. Yeah. And uh, I played keys before anything. I mean, I've been singing forever, but keys, I was like 11. And were you singing in choir and things like that? Is that oh, how it started? Yeah, 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 yeah. my okay. whole life. Okay. Uh, I was definitely a choir boy. Right. But it it taught me a lot, like, uh, yeah, for sure. you know, reading music and uh, blending, things yeah. like that, like yeah. not doing too much just kind of like holding it down yeah. is very important in choral music so yeah, yeah. it was cool but when did you discover you had that like falsetto thing um really around the time that I started producing it was okay, at Berkeley okay. because did all of a sudden you were just like it just popped out yeah kind of <laughs> um I mean it really the reason I started practicing practicing it so much is like um when I lived my freshman year at Berkeley, I lived in the dorms, and you know, you like they had pretty strict rules about no recording in there, and like oh, you'd have wow, RAs yeah. come in like wow. in the dorms. They, I didn't realize they that. gave you like practice rooms so you could do really, that because yeah. they were soundproof and all that, and they didn't want people disturbing sleep. Um, and so I was really just practicing because it was quiet, right? Like to sing that high, right? And then. It eventually turned into like, I was like, oh, I'm pretty good at this now. Right, right. Like I've been, you know, maybe it was like just the year of living in the dorms, but with like, I started to make more like R and B type soul, yeah. you know, vibe music, and yeah, just it kind of just fit. seemed to happen. Yeah, it fit yeah. right on. Yeah, that's great, man. I mean, it seems like you've really fallen into something 
that sounds super nat- supernatural. And the thing I noticed actually is that a lot of people um, have trouble pulling off things like that live. And I saw you mm-hmm. do the thing with Butcher Brown. I've seen some other videos, and like you crush it live. Thank you. Which is uh, appreciate that. Definitely, not everyone can do that. True. It's different to when you're using studio tricks and, and yeah. all that. No, I, um, I love the studio, but it's definitely the live shit is really like where, for me at least, like I really feel like I can prove myself. Like yeah. I'm a very competitive guy, and okay. I, I always feel like when I when I get on stage, they're like I just treat it like it's going to be the last time anybody's going to come to a show. So I'm just I'm gonna go crazy. At every show, I like that. You know? And tell me about your band. Are these guys you went to Berkeley with and stuff? Uh, a couple of them are Berkeley kids. Um, but Chris, my drummer, who uh, I co-produce and write a lot of my songs with, um, we actually grew up together on Long Island, and uh, you know our mom's houses are like two minutes away from each other. Uh, we went to high school together, and he was a drummer then, and I was. A singer then and yeah. he was just like we just kind of met and he was like hey i know you're that singer guy like yeah. you ever need drums hit me up and i was like okay and we played you know some fundraiser like benefit at our high school and then have been playing together ever since wow. i think we were 16 and he tours with you yeah still my touring drummer yeah. you know see that's the shit when you later. have some people you grew up with oh yeah on the road i mean like you know lettuce is like that we all knew mm-hmm. each other since high school yeah and, um, I mean, oh, so live guys now. I've been known known for over twenty something years. Yeah, um, it so, feels really good to like just have gone through the whole progression of like everything that's happened. Like just to have somebody like him, like because he knew me when I was you know just like a sixteen year old. Yeah. Like I didn't really know shit back then, and now it's just cool that like we made it and we did it our way. And this was in Long Island, right? Yeah, Nassau County. Nassau I, County. I'm from a, a one square mile village called Seacliff. Okay, I've heard of it. I've Have you? Of it. Yeah, it's beachy. It's yeah, it's a vibe. That's cool. Yeah, That's I like cool. It. it was a great place to grow. Did you spend up. spend time in the city too, like growing up. Oh and, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, just going in for a big Knicks fan. Yeah, so. yeah. Me too. Unfortunately. Yeah. No, it's not. It's a, been. A, it's rough being a Knicks fan. Yeah. It's not. It's not good. Yeah. Right now. Or There's been in my lifetime. It's never but, been great. Um, I mean, the Bernard. This is before your lifetime, but yeah. like the. The um, Pat Ewing era. Oh my God, Starks yeah. and them. Starks, legends. Nice. That was that was when we had a chance. I mean, there's yeah. been various different times. We Carmelo. We've always then. had like we've had some rough. We've had some rough times. Mm-hmm. The last time we were in the finals was that against the Rockets, and that yeah. was the year before I was born. Okay, so I <laughs> I know the Carmelo era yeah. and nothing else. Yeah, but, um, I I went to a lot of Knicks games there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, because Lettuce did some music for, or we'd done a few different things for the for the MSG channel, and a good oh, friend yeah. of ours worked there, so he would get us in and stuff, which was cool. It was very Hell cool. Yeah. No, Hearing some sweet. of the music over the loudspeaker it was kind of crazy. Oh my crazy. god, that's gotta be fun. Bumping it in the garden. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. Um, especially like Let- the Lettuce guys, big you know, Schmeens, our guitar player, huge Knicks fan. I mean, oh, all, yeah. mo- most most of the band Knicks fans. Damn, so that was. Crucial. I knew I liked lettuce. Yeah, it's it's. I a, knew there was a reason. reason. Yeah. So um, speaking of that, like New Yorker in LA, how's it been so far? Um, I mean, and you've been here s- almost a year. Yeah, just about a year. Okay. I moved here. Was it February? I moved okay. here last April. Um, yeah. I mean, it's cool. Like it has its pros and cons, but I like the weather. 
I yeah. like the marijuana. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a cool place. Yeah. I've been, you know, I live with my band. Um, so we just hang out, enjoy those the good sun, times. I remember music. that. I remember the times <laughs> living with the band. Oh, yeah. Those oh, are fun definitely times. definitely a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But like, you're getting used to the, the driving, the traffic, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. different cultural. That's, that's definitely, I mean, the New York, like, once you get in the city, the traffic's real bad. But at least, I mean, I grew up in a very suburban area yeah. of Long Island, like everything is, you know, a five minute drive, especially in Seacliff. It's right. like every, you could walk everywhere pretty yeah. much, but kind of like the driving. I got a car out here now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, listen to some music. You can pass the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm I don't, I don't mind it. People, people like there are, there are times where it's frustrating, but yeah. especially for me, because I'm either, a lot of my work is traveling or in the studio. So right. it's not like every day I'm commuting, mm. you know, on the 405 or, or whatever. So, you know, for me, it's fine. I mean, the weather is great, obviously. You know, we were talking right. about it earlier. Some of the, the, the people are different, you know, and yeah. it's like you kind of get used to it. People do bail on things. Like I've right. been learning that that's actually real. I always thought yeah. that was kind of a joke, but. No, I, I definitely I was under that impression too. Yeah, like, that I mean, was just a complete stereotype. Like not. But the thing person. about it is, like, when you're in New York, it's cold as shit. You're yeah. usually like in some fucked up situation, so you yep. want to go from place to place. Let me see if right. this place is better. Yeah. Oh, I got to When I'm in when I'm, I'm in LA, I'm like I'm chilling by going. a pool or I'm up on yeah. a cliff or something. Like, oh shit, that thing. Oh, you know, fuck that thing. But I'm it's not good here. You know what I realized? It's not as personal as I once thought, though. Because like yeah. you're, it is, it's like you'll if you fuck up your timing on the traffic, and sometimes you think, oh, I'll be fine getting there, and then you realize, mm-hmm. oh shit, I'm about to spend like five hours in a car, right, or two hours in a car, whatever it is, mm-hmm. to get across town. So anyway, I've yeah. been understanding it a little bit better that you yeah, kind of gotta you gotta you pick gotta your give things. Some time. In New York, you could do three, four things in a day. You oh, can like yeah. pop by this guy's house, maybe well, have like dinner over here. Thing. Here yeah, it's like make the trip and the trip back. Yeah, and that's exactly. like eight that's your hours thing. Total. <laughs> yeah, that's your one thing. So do you record here in LA of like your last, so your, your newest album, Juice Box. Like tell yeah. me a little bit about making that record. You made it here in LA or? Uh, I actually made most of it in Seacliff back in okay. New York. Um, I, uh, you know, it's where I made all of my three albums I have out. But, okay. um, and where do you do it? Do you do it in your own place? Yeah, and, or? in my mom's basement. Oh, nice. It's, uh, nice. it's my room over there and got a little set up and, um, yeah, the process of making Juice Box was really just, um, you know, a lot of people talk, I think, a little too much about, like, maybe concepts or, like, albums having, like, this, like, deeper, you know, yeah. like, and I really was like, nah, fuck that. Like, yeah. I'm just trying to make, I think it was 16 songs. Like, yeah. I just wanted to make the best catalog of songs that I could make, like, within... We recorded for about, like, a year, maybe a year and a half, and it was fun. Like, the whole thing was just, like, it was no real... Uh, 
overthinking. It was just like we were just trying to catch the vibe of like some stuff we were listening to. We were listening to a lot of like off the wall and like yeah, yeah. just um you know, just some like old school stuff. The you know, the new Bruno record that yep. came out, like yeah. he caught that vibe. We just wanted to have fun and like just make music and after uh I went through some some shit with uh, my former label who I yeah. put out my first two projects and after that I was just so in a place of like only caring about the music that right, like right. that's really just what I cared about was like yeah. making it the best songs not in any cohesive order or anything. Yeah, and I feel like that's I mean it's it's just it's cool that you can make it in your own space without a label mm-hmm. and completely just create and it's fun it's it's yeah. it's weird how you know when you have someone or someone or an entity kind of hanging over you it, it even just like knowing that can like mm-hmm. at least for me can mess up the process oh yeah it can also speed it up that's <laughs> like right. running my own you know putting things out myself there and there's no date no one banging on my door that's to get things my favorite done. things about it I yeah. hate a deadline. Yeah. I just want to like make good things right. and it'll come when it comes, right. you know. And you know, what do you think about making albums versus, you know, a lot of people's theory now is that you put out songs, put mm-hmm. out EPs, short, you know, but but you're still making albums. Like so is there do you yeah. want why is that? Um I mean, for me, I don't really I don't think about it too much. I I just feel like um maybe it's because like when I think about, you know, my favorite something in music, I don't yeah. think about my favorite song. Right. I think about my favorite albums yes. and like how, you know, when you sit down and you really give them, you know, proper attention, like the places that it takes you and like that type of shit. Like I was just always more moved by an album than I was by just listening to a song, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. And for me, growing up with vinyl and being able, there's something right. about holding it in your hand, too. Yeah. But I think you can still translate that. You know, in certain cases, people have other media that go along with right. it and stuff. I still listen to albums, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of people listen to just playlists. Yeah. And, you know, people that aren't deep into music, sometimes they don't, you know, back in the day, that was what you did. You listened to albums because that's how you right. listen to that's them. The, only the records and the CDs. Yeah. Do the, so yeah. now. You know, I feel like some people listen to playlists and just turn streams on, yep. which on the flip side also will turn them on to new artists. That's true. So that's, You can rifle through. If you're yeah, browsing, yeah. it makes browsing very easy. That's but, true. But I still believe in the album. Oh, yeah. Um, it's nice with the, uh, you know, how vinyl has come back a good bit in the last. I always, I, I feel you when you're like really holding it in your hand and you can read the liner notes, you can see the players and the songs and stuff. I love that. No, that was huge. I would always follow who the producer was, who the drummer was, mm-hmm. who the, you know, and I think they're, we're coming back to that again, but it does, that is something that annoys me is that that's not at the forefront of things. Like it's hard to find out, not hard. You have to, you have to look it up, right. you know, but sometimes it's, it's hard to find who played on what, who produced what. Mm-hmm. Um, they're starting to put that out there a little bit, but was there a song or an album of yours where you felt like you had like turned a corner or like you had become an artist? You know what I mean? Definitely. Like, t- tell me what that um, would be. And it's actually not a song that's even out on like Spotify or anything. Okay. I when I was at school, um, I had just like 
I was not going to class for a while before I officially dropped out, you know, when I'm like signed the thing. Um, but I had just really stopped going to class and I remember uh, just posting a lot on SoundCloud and that was really the first like kind of fan following I ever had. But I remember making a song after just, again, being boxed in. Like I really was like in a headspace of I got to make a, I got to make a D'Angelo sounding. I got to make a Stevie sounding, you know, like, and I put out a song that was just like, it was called You. Okay. It's probably still on my SoundCloud. Um, and, um, yeah, I just remember it. I was like, I don't have to make a song that sounds like anything. Like, I just have to write, like, what feels true. And that was the day that I was like, I'm not in any genre. Like, I can just make whatever the fuck I want. And that was like really the first time that I was like, I became so in love with writing songs, like just any kind of song. Yeah. Like, so I'd say that was it. Like, but was that the first song you ever kind of made front, like beginning to end that you fully wrote and did yourself? Uh, no, but that was no, just, I had, I had one written that, yeah. like maybe it was toward the beginning of me writing yeah. songs. Like maybe it was like, you know, in the first 20 of them, but yeah, like, yeah. It was just the one where I felt the most free, I right, guess. Right. Like, and just, I got my thoughts out articulately, and I was like, why? That is, that there vibe, is no right? feeling like that. Yeah. That's true. That was when you really connect an thing. and it all connect together. It was um, just like an aha moment for me. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't have to fucking. No, and when you. Lane. And, you know, I think, well, what I. People ask me about that, about writing and how the whole process works and mm -hmm. how you work. I mean, there's a million ways to work at it, but I think the most important thing is just doing it a lot. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, you write 30 songs if you get a one really great one out of that or right. even more. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you when you wrote this new record, did you write like a ton of songs and whittle it down or was it yeah. kind of, or, you know... I mean, not too many more than actually made the record like... Because we were actually talking about this before, like the process of when you're recording, it's less demo based these days and you're kind of just yeah. like making the actual record. Yeah. So a lot of them were just, you know, the songs that we actually finished, like, because we kind of got an idea of, you know, we'd make skeletons of things and then be like, uh, like that one's not really cool. And then, so I don't even consider it as a song, like in my head. But, um, yeah, like you said, I mean, you definitely have to write a lot of shitty songs before yeah. you write any good ones. Yeah. And that's a process that everybody should be going through all the time. Yeah. Like, it's just, you know. Well, I think a lot of it, like you said earlier, it's like you get to a place where you understand your, your freedom, you know? Because yeah. there's nothing wrong with copying in the beginning as long as that's the right. pathway to finding your thing mm -hmm. and i think obviously with you stevie and some of the other guys and for me too it was like as for guitarists you know learning like stevie ray vaughn solos yeah. or hendrix songs or mm -hmm. led zeppelin songs are such a part of right. me but mm -hmm. then there's a moment where you kind of understand that you're going to bring something else to right. it you know what i mean and that never really stops but i think there are points 
where you oh, kind of yeah. like absorb a new thing right and you bring it into your own it's like a video game where you get like a new sword <laughs> you know pal- i've been playing spider-man on playstation oh bro. shit yeah get a new suit yeah you a get new a new pal- suit right <laughs> i think it, hopefully every time you make a new record there's something like that going yeah on, i think know? that's always the goal like at least for me i'm always trying to I never want to just make another juice box or another something to feel or another drive slow. Like I just always want to bring something new to the table. Flipping the script. Um, sometimes I like to ask this question, and if if you have anything, um, let's see. Here. I always love a good road or tour story. <laughs> Do you have some sort of? Because such ridiculous shit will happen. Like, oh, do you man. have a guy in your band that just like misses every flight? Or do you have like, uh, you know, there's, <laughs> we have so many stories uh, like that in our I crew. I recently was on tour too. I'm thinking of like a hundred. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a good one. I just remember there was a lot of times my bass player, Declan, yeah. does not wake up like for anything. So there the was a bass player so lettuce, Jesus. Bro, he'll, oh, he'll sleep. He'll sleep. Really? It's real good. Yeah. It's just got, it's if hard you're to killing that bass, you just yeah. like got to sleep like right. 18 hours a day or something. So <laughs> yeah, when you're pushing that, we were just some. always like, I don't know, like leaving him on the bus and shit. I'm trying to think we played Miami. Oh my God, my band is gonna be so mad at me. <laughs> oh shit! But, See, this um, is the stuff that's good though. We played, we played in Miami, and it was just like we drank a lot of the shows. Like the bartenders were just like giving us drinks on stage. Then we stayed after the set. We played the place is called Floyd, I think. Yeah. We stayed after the set. Like we're drinking then, and we had to leave that night to go. I want to say to Atlanta. Um, and so then my man Chris just gets real drunk. And like, so now we're like trying to get everybody back to the bus. Chris is like super drunk in the, in the, you know, the back, like the porta potty of the tour bus. Yeah. Um, and now we have like all these like random girls on the bus. And then like our tour manager, who is this sweet British man, like was just like, Oh, please leave. Like, and so then I had to like come on and like yell and like get angry and shit. I'm like, we gotta go to Atlanta and get the fuck off the bus. And yeah. it was just Chris slept in the bathroom that night and wow. I wound up the like old... peeing in a beer bottle like five times. <laughs> yes. And it was just one of many grimy stories the old, of six weeks on the road. Sleeping in the bathroom uh, is always a sign yeah, of a, he, of a he crazy night. Yeah. Love you, Chris. I know you're going to be mad at that one, but we're, we're giving the people the good you stories gotta out here. You got to do it. So, so <laughs> I had the show in Atlanta was cool, though, when you got there? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Miami and Atlanta both were okay. two of my favorites. Atlanta. And what sweet. kind of what kind of venues are you playing right now? Like what? Are, like where did you did you play? Did you do an LA show? Yeah, we yeah. played at uh, the Novo okay. in LA, oh, which no. was that was one of our bigger shows on tour. But that was that was crazy. That place had like nosebleeds. So I was freaking and out. I'm curious. Like when? What was your last tour? Did you did you have to tour a lot to like kind of gain more and more fans on the road, or was it pretty quick? Um, I mean, we toured a little bit. Um, we did a run for uh, the album I put out before Juicebox called yeah. Something to Feel, and we did um, a North America, Europe, and Asia tour for that. And we were playing, I mean, a, 
on this juice box tour, it was a lot of like for the U.S. spots. It would be like the same place, but like the bigger room or something yeah, yeah, like, yeah. which always makes you feel good to like come back and like feel like you're like leveling up. Yeah. But um, yeah, it it really just I mean with the internet, you know, people just kind of get put on like. Yeah. Our shows are really, I mean, I think they're really special and like a different experience than listening to just the songs uh, in the studio, like the studio versions, you know? Right, right. Um, do you think you'll ever put out a live thing or do you do you do video, do you video and record the shows? And- um, I've never actually recorded a live show, but I am definitely, uh, I love recording live and I did a couple of the... Uh, couple of the juice box tracks live at Blue Dream. Um yep. and that Butcher Brown thing too, obviously. I just really enjoy just like singing in a live setting and I could definitely see a live album. All right, well I, I hope to hear that soon, mm-hmm. man. And uh just wanna thank you for coming through. Thank you, man. And uh hopefully y'all will hear some music that that we worked on a little bit today. Oh yeah. And uh you got anything to to shout out you got some shows coming up the tour was <laughs> no. you kind of went for it <laughs> I've been right. chilling now when you got off tour yeah. um yeah no really right nothing now. to promote just uh you see me in LA say what's up <laughs> <laughs> right, that's what's up once again Mac Ayers coming through Field Music Studios North Hollywood and uh we'll see y'all soon we're gonna get back to making some music What's up? I'm Mac Ayers, here with my boy Kraz. Uh, This is my tune, Jumping Off the Moon, from my latest album, Juicebox. Two, three, Before the sunrise You need more bullets for your guns Shoot from a distance I'm not one to confront Boy, you better take this wave Take your girl where I find a place Don't you try to stare against the tide Always fearing something more Running before I hit the floor Better hold on to something for this ride Come on and dive in to the deep end Tell me what could go wrong Oh, I'm hoping that you feel some Of the angels I've been sending on Jumping off the moon, babe Just to get back down I'm hoping that you catch me Before I hit the ground I'm falling into you Been shooting 
Plus One is hosted by me, Eric Krasno. Executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Produced by myself and Ben Baruch of 1111 Group. All original music is by me, and most of which are instrumentals from my album, Telescope, under the artist name Kras. This podcast is presented by Osiris Media. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email krasplus1 at gmail. That's K-R-A-Z-P-L-U-S-O-N-E at gmail.com. Send me some questions. Maybe I'll answer them on air. Send me suggestions of other guests you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time. Mm-hmm.